Greetings programs, hello, and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 61. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and and joining me for the first time today is my nerdy, brilliant, and talented guest co-host, Chris Nyardi. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me. It's an honor, fellow program. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris? Sure thing. Uh, So, I'm a... God, how would you describe me? I guess entertainer about town. Um... By day, I am a uh, TV animator, and uh, by night, I host various nerdy going-ons here in Vancouver, British Columbia, including uh, Geeks vs. Nerds, a comedy debate show, uh, There Is No Easy Mode, a video game trivia night spectacular, and I also have a new-ish podcast called Boozing and Bonding, where me and my friend Keegan get drunk and watch James Bond films. <laughs> Excellent. Are you a James Bond aficionado or are you kind of going through He's more so the aficionado. I was more so like, hey, Keegan, we need to spend more time together. I know you like James Bond. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I believe that's Uh, how most podcasts get started. Hey, we should hang out more. Let's have an excuse and record ourselves. (laughs) It's very similar to like uh, D&D campaigns or something like that. Very much so, yeah. But this you has know. been a this has been a ball. It's it's been uh, interesting having its own difficulties of recording while drunk because there's no one managing us. It's just the two of us, and we <laughs> yeah. perpetually get drunker the the further we go. And I'm the yeah. one editing it, so we get about three hours of audio that I need to condense down <laughs> to maybe an hour. Um, yeah, and it's and sometimes we repeat ourselves. Sometimes we go sure. off on way too wild tangents um yeah and it's just like wow this is a nightmare to edit i i knew there was going to be some difficulties recording drunk but this is more than i thought <laughs> either way we're halfway yeah. done through all the bond films so i think awesome. i can make it wow halfway that's cool yeah how, ju- there's like we, 12 or how many are there there's 20 <laughs> i can't remember 24 Holy i think morning. no i think i think no time to die is 24 which is uh, the one that's coming out in April. Right. But either way, we just hit uh, Moonraker. So we're, uh, still, yeah. we're still deep into the Roger Moore era. <laughs> that's right. Jaws. Yes. This giant hand. There's that great scene where he's got Roger Moore up against the side of the train. Oh, and yeah. his hand takes up, like, it's just, all you can see is Roger Moore's eyes, and the rest is just... What's that they, guy, they keep Richard? getting Jaws to, to lift people up. I think mostly just to show how huge Jaws is. <laughs> <laughs> I got to uh, I got to meet him once at a, a film theater in Edinburgh. They did like a, a showing of one of, of Moonraker, and then he was in attendance. He was he'd written an autobiography or something like that. Oh yeah, and you, you, I got to shake his hand, and it was shocking. It was just like wow. I feel like a little four year old kid. This I had that hand. same feeling when I met uh, Lou Ferrigno. Oh, awesome! Cool. He, he was he was very gentle, very nice, but just like. As I shook his hand, I was like, you could destroy me if you have that power. <laughs> yeah, it'd be the same meeting Andre or something like that for sure. Exactly, yeah. You don't really get a full appreciation until no. you see them in person. <laughs> yeah, well, in person you're like, holy, there it is. Uh, do you remember the first time that you saw Tron? Uh, it's somewhat tied into you because okay. as much as I... I I remember seeing clips of Tron when I was younger. Uh, yeah. Like, I grew up mostly in the 90s. I was born in 86. 
Okay. So Tron was already past its uh, initial wow factor and more so was a, a, a staple of like, hey, remember that thing that was yeah. like really advanced for its time? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people cite it and a lot of people reference it, but uh, like I, I, it was never on TV where okay. uh, when I grew up, but I remember seeing it at the library. I remember seeing it at friend's house, but I don't think I actually sat down and watched the full thing until Geeks versus Nerds did a debate on oh, right. Bob versus Tron, which you were right. a part of. That's right. I was yes. a part of. We've talked about it because uh, we had Christopher Stewart on the show earlier. And he was also part of that, yeah. Yeah, so we talked about that, our our noble failure of trying to represent Tron. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what I've, out of, even at, we've been doing it for like seven or eight years now, Geeks versus Nerds. I've never seen such a steamroll of Oof. a... Of a defeat. A pure shellacking. That was and just, a, yeah. going back and listening to it, you guys didn't deserve that much of a steamroll. I think you guys did a, <laughs> did a, did a commendable job. Yeah. I think the audience was full of uh, millennials who grew up with Reboot and yeah. just voted Tron, uh, Bob over Tron. Um, yeah. But either way, uh, that was the first time I actually sat down and watched the whole thing beginning to end. I remember I was living in a very <laughs> apartment down mm-hmm. in downtown Vancouver and uh, I, uh, my computer was busted, so I hooked it up to a TV so that I could put in the DVD and watch Tron start to finish. Uh, okay, so what happens in this minute? Flynn is not great at piloting the damaged recognizer. Uh, Tron and you at the very top of the minute, we see Tron and Yori kind of skedaddle off screen right at the top there, while purple data monks walk slowly by in the foreground. And I'm not entirely sure what function data monks would perform in this world. I don't, and they kind of um, disappear from the 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 sequel. I don't remember any data yeah. monks in La Legacy. That's right. All. So, it w- and and that was part of the kind of I guess thesis of like you know it being kind of a religion around yeah. like you know the users are gods, and I yeah. think they kind of toned that down so that the monks just kind of. Went to their off-screen temples, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I really—that's one thing they did kind of tone down a little bit for the uh, for the legacy. And one thing I really like about this 1982 version is it gets pretty heady with its religious themes in terms of yeah. belief in the users, which I'm pretty I'm pretty into. I really really like because of what it says about our world in kind of a you know like a Matrix way. Like that's always something. Matri- I, yeah, I wish they pursued that kind of. Uh, 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 plot line a bit more or at least mm-hmm. they, they 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 scatter the seeds and and nothing really grows from from that aside from being like oh that's neat yeah uh, i i think that might uh i might chalk that up to this still being a disney production maybe they don't yeah. want to get too sure yeah like i'm surprised there's as much in there as there is yeah they got away with it, you know a, a lot considering yeah like for a Disney movie, it's like, uh, oh, you really kind of go there a little bit. And so, but I think it gets all, yeah, that all gets kind of lost here in the last, uh, in the last third of the film or the last, yeah, last third of the film. But it yeah, made well, me well, wonder. We got like, to wrap things up at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. And have I have a giant if, floaty head to take care of. Right. We need a giant, we got to, we got to get that out of there. I made me wonder if there's like a, if there'd be like sects of user beliefs 
within the grid. So different types like... of user religion. <laughs> yeah, like the, the like Church of the Users of Latter Day Saints, or you know Seventh Day User. I believe Adventist. the user exists, but he is not our Messiah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like user agnostics. And... Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I'm I open to proof. the idea of believing um, in users. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, but it's like that with the other characters in uh, in these scenes. Is that that transistor? Uh, vacuum tube looking guy and there's that wookie duck kind of looking thing and there's there's some really weird uh uh characters that mm-hmm. were also not really in legacy which it would have been cool to explore that i, I and I, I don't i'm hesitant to bring this up because i don't know if you've you've you probably have talked about it because there's not too much tron material to kind of go through but uh did you see the uh, tv show uprising i did yes i did i adore uprising i think it's really, my favorite yeah. tron piece of media that exists yeah and i, I really wonder if it. if the show didn't get canceled in in season one they would have brought back some of these weirder concepts or weirder character types that was introduced yeah. in the original because they seem to have dug a little bit deeper than legacy did to kind of pool some more uh lore and some more um recognizable iconography from the series so yeah i wonder if it would be kind of like a, a a star wars clone wars thing where they're like okay let's now go deep into uh admiral akbar's history and see what he's all about <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah it would have been interesting to to, to bring these data mo- data monks back <laughs> back out of retirement yeah like i've talked earlier about how if this had been a star wars popularity level kind of result then they would have their own novels. The yeah. data monks, there'd be their own, there'd be a data monk novel and like a... They'd, they'd uh, be, oh, you know. imagine like a Shaolin type monk of, sure. a, of a data monk. Like that would oh. be exciting. That would be so cool. Just the, conceptually, I love that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like that would be fantastic. You know, they get all zenned out and it gives them access to like one fifth of the user powers or something like, mm-hmm. so they can like slow down time or I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I'm just brainstorming here. Disney, just, just spitball. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you if you're listening, Disney, there's a lot of it. there's a lot of untapped untapped potential. I feel a, that, that's the Tron of, franchise in general. I think a lot of untapped potential. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that could agree on that. They sort of introduce all this really cool stuff, and then we're like, and and you know. So I think there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of people out there looking forward to uh, to uh, another Tron. Television series, reboot, sequel. No, movie. Disney's too busy remaking every animated film they have. They don't want That's right. <laughs> I was I, I I remember actually when they did cancel the third Tron movie, how incredibly bitter I was. Because yeah. that was when the start of the remakes started popping up. Like I think the first Maleficent around that time. Yeah. Uh I think the real nail in the coffin was the um Do you remember the film Tomorrowland? Yeah, Tomorrowland, that was the one. Yeah, that was a Brad Bird film where he really gets Ayn Randy. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very heavily. Yeah. Um, and I think that was their last, even though it's based off of a theme park attraction, their last original live-action production before they started yeah. really pumping out these remakes. And it must have just been a monetary thing where Tomorrowland did not do very well and say maybe Alice in Wonderland did very well. So Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But we do got that Tron roller coaster happening in Shanghai Disney World. <laughs> That's now. right. So they haven't fully forgotten about Tron. No, there's still there's glimmers, you know. Hopefully, and I think with the Disney Plus channel, they're like, mm-hmm. ah, we need content. Ah, we need content. So maybe somebody will just revisit this well and do something else. We'll see. I just want, I just want more, you know. So. Yeah. 
Uh, so then we cut to the blue recognizers slaloming around some pretty tight corners in these narrow back alley canyons, complete with skidding tire sound effects. I I forgot, uh, especially if coming from an animation background, how cartoony some of this animation actually was. Like you got yeah. you got kind of the skidding. T- There's no tires; it's hovering. No. It's yeah. it, and and the way it, it kind of squashes and stretches when it goes over like uh, drops and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I yeah. remember this movie being a little bit more grounded in reality. But I guess these scenes that's full CG, they're like, well, this is our wheelhouse of like stretchy animation of a disney background so this is what mm-hmm. we know to do this is how we animate yeah um and, and that just looking at this clip i was like oh yeah well this is also kind of a funny uh it, part it's a comedy moment yeah, yeah where he's arguing with bit is that what it is he does yes and no or yeah bit this yes and no yeah yeah that's and, and this movie doesn't have too too much comedy so <laughs> no this is this is kind of like the commentary the the com like the co- comedy bit mm-hmm. you know this is like a ah, very, comedy both, bit I oh hey. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and uh so and it's also kind of worth noting here that sid sid mead designed the recognizer interior as well as the tank cockpit okay. i had a, i know that mobius did a lot of the character work and i had thought that mobius did the uh interiors here but this was all sid mead which kind of makes sense because they look functional they actually look functional yeah mobius is a bit more uh fantastical and uh yeah not not more 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 uh form than function i would say yeah for sure for sure uh then we cut to flynn smiling confidently confidently in the cockpit saying pretty good driving huh before jumping in the air and shouting and uh so we cut outside and we can see that flynn has just straight up driven off of a cliff yep it looks to be miles in the sky and we get a fantastic view of the landscape stretching back as far as the eye can see and i think this might be the most comprehensive look at the landscape aside from the initial bird's eye view when flynn was originally sucked into the computer it's Mm -hmm. pretty it's pretty neat seeing this maze go back into the into the horizon there and then the recognizer plummets down <laughs> it's really like uh <laughs> is this the end yeah you know well it's... it plummets down like piece by piece also it's like yeah it yeah. stretches out and then uh yeah when it gets down it's like what is it it falls a very long way to the ground and it dopplering its sound all the way down before hitting and it does that great like you were saying that shock absorber thing where all the parts kind of accordion closer together Mm-hmm. without touching before expanding again it's a very wily e. coyote you know yeah. moment right <laughs> you almost want to hear that accordion uh or harmonica sound effect of it and know? i i don't think they would do that nowadays because like especially when now that they've revisited the franchise everything looks much more solid that's true as yeah. opposed to now it's like oh well i don't know what these things are made out of like they're yeah are they made out of light like the light cycle so can they s- stretch and and do that kind of stuff but like yeah I, I don't think they would do that, make that kind of choice now. No, probably not. I remember at the time thinking, boy, that is so cool. Because mm-hmm. they all look like, the, the the parts look like they're held together by like a magnetic field or something. Yeah. And so they're, and so, and the, so the recognizers can't crash into each other and their parts can't intersect. But, but if enough force is applied, they can like sort of get closer and then expand. It's one of those things where technology and creativity kind of went hand in hand because I I think that was a choice based mostly on these are early computer graphics 
And that yeah. just makes animating them so much easier, saying that they're kind of binded by this magnetic force, but they're all these separate geometric pieces. Yeah. It, it yeah. definitely, it, it, it is unique, but it also just is easy with the technology that we have, or easier. Yeah, well, nowadays, definitely. Like, back yeah. then, yeah, I think that was, like, an upper limit, because back then they couldn't, like, making the, making the light cycles curved was like, yeah. you want to do what? Yeah. You know, just having any curve at all was a yeah. challenge. But in this one, like, they had to animate each piece by hand, and it was just, like, inputting the vertex XYZs into the computer. Because I believe they each. didn't have any, like, readout of, like, what it would look like. They just had to no. input the data and then yeah. render it and pray. Yeah. <laughs> pray to the pray. data monks. Pray to the data monks. And it was, like, with... With the rendering, the computer couldn't hold. The computer could only hold one frame in its memory, because the frames were oh. like they would render out as like thirty-five megs, wow. and the, enti- the entire computer's memory was like forty-one megs. Mm-hmm. So they'd like render out a frame, take a picture of it, and then that frame would be destroyed forever. And then they would render out another frame. <laughs> So they'd have to like process the film of the pictures they took of mm-hmm. the renders that were made that they can never see again in order to see if it worked. <laughs> it's <laughs> essentially know? a stop frame, a stop motion animation at that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, at that point, right? So you still get great results, but man, it was labor intensive. The yeah, real, really, like the sort of the backlit parts with the actors as well as the pure CG stuff. All of it logistically was such an amazing accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's see here. Yeah, so I guess when the recognizers get hit with, a, like, a bullet from a tank, it, like, wrecks the field, and then they fall apart. Yeah. I think that must be must be it. Although, in some of the commentary, they talk about how this particular sequence was uh, just Jeff Bridges clowning around with the controls. He just, they were just <laughs> like, okay, Jeff, you're, like, you're, you're going off a cliff. Okay, now you're going right. Uh, just struggle, struggle. And so he's just jumping and leaping and going whoa and just and he seems to be having fun doing it he just seems like he's having a great time and that must have been a pretty fun day of him just 100 percent. just be you just mm-hmm. go all out <laughs> you know well just flop i don't the, the script also is a little bit like especially for the time a little bit heady so it's like well okay i can just go i don't have to think about exactly the the reasons or, or or what's happening i can just i i have a stick and it's controlling the thing i'm in and i'll just <laughs> yeah. have a good time <laughs> right uh it's pretty good i remember when i was a kid i had an idea of like i wanted to see levitating cars mm-hmm. you know and i thought what what we could do is just make the bottoms of all the cars uh out of one pole of magnet and then pave all the streets with like another pole of magnet so that they would repel and they would float right right right. like two positively charged magnets yeah Yeah. and that was uh i think i told that to my dad and he was like i mean i was like seven or eight he was kind enough to break down some of the logistical problems involved in repaving the entire world in magnets (laughs) and And also about how you would control which direction you would go (laughs) yeah and the havoc that high-powered magnets would wreak on every kind of electronic device you know and Mm -hmm. You know, I mean that I, is a, that is a child outside the box thinking though. That's, I, I guess <laughs> that was so, yeah. squashed as you became an adult. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's I guess that's kind of what 
uh, maglev trains run on, right? Or they do something similar, I guess. I'm an animator, little... dude. I don't. <laughs> right. Look at me. We're both of us. Both of us. I am yeah, not we're an engineer. Adi- uh, we're both animators. With with the but, name uh... like that, I will assume yes. And I'm yeah, assuming somebody go. online will correct me. It said levitation, so yeah. I'm assuming <laughs> levitations. I'm no expert, but I feel confident in saying yes. <laughs> I remember uh, there was a book, uh, Isaac Asimov book, and it was set in the future where everything was moving sidewalks. Oh, yeah. Like conveyor belt sidewalks moving. Like, like Jetson 100... style. Jetson style, yeah, like 160 kilometers an hour, and they'd be like covered, and there'd be like crashes and stuff like that. I don't know. It's very strange. <laughs> Yeah, that was some real 1960s. The future, future, future. Well, every time I'm at the airport, I th- I think, why don't we have these all the time? These moving <laughs> conveyor belts. They're a lot of fun to ride, that's for sure. I'm getting to my uh, destination so much quicker. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you if you do a light jog when yeah. you're on them, you feel like you're the Bionic Man or something. <laughs> right yes, yeah. Then uh, okay, after the crash at the bottom of the drop off, a uh, bit hilariously replies no to Flynn's earlier question about his excellent driving and mm-hmm. then Flynn Flynn responds yeah well who asked you and the <laughs> the, rec- the recognizer skids around another corner and we cut the, one of my this is I think I don't know my third or fourth favorite shot in the film it's where the camera does this like 180 degree arc from like the bottom left of the windshield to the top right of the windshield all while being focused on Jeff Bridges with a bit of Dutch tilt to it. So it's this really cool, awesome, you know, swing of the camera as he's turning. So you really get this like, you know, urge Mm -hmm. as it's coming. And I mean, these were really heavy 65 millimeter cameras. So (laughs) took some effort swinging it like that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure what kind of hydraulics were involved because it's not, uh, you couldn't steady cam one of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were they were just these beasts, these engine block cameras. So this was cool. And it was something that they could do because of the fact that this was a real world set. They could actually move the camera around That's a little right. bit. That's right, yeah. Right. So it's it sort of stands out. Then the right side of the recognizer nicks a corner of the valley as they come around it. And it sends the middle sandwich layer of three of the shapes pivoting out and back before slowly coming back into alignment. And I just love how this vehicle is just a blocks, you know, just a bunch of blocks held in place by a field. (laughs) They they kind of explore in this whole sequence, like, okay, how can this be uh, damaged? How can this go Mm -hmm. wrong? And they go, Mm -hmm. they do two or three different kinds here. And I just, uh, I love this. Also also showing how it can go right. Like normally a vehicle would just kind of stop if that happened. (laughs) But this is a fantastical computer world. So we can, yeah, no, it it can still keep going. It'll just kind of form back. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's like the tail of the helicopter sort of came off for a second and then sort of. (laughs) Then then reassembled itself. (laughs) It's it's okay. Oh, phew, that was close, you know. (laughs) It gets itself together just before trying to go between a narrow passage and it fails, leaving cartoon-style silhouette cutouts of its own yes. sides yeah, in, uh, in the walls as it punches through. <laughs> and uh, Flynn is thrown off his feet by the impact, and we see the front view screen as the whole thing starts to rotate sideways. There's an alarm going off somewhere as Flynn stands back up and tries to wrestle it back on the straight and narrow. And you can see out the front view screen, that was hand animated, the, yeah. the sort of hallway coming towards them. 
I always love these like uh, hand drawn touches in this movie because everyone really focuses on the uh, the computer computer graphics, which was yeah groundbreaking at the time. But I love all these, especially all the effects and stuff like that. It yeah. just looks so. I mean, they look very eighties, but I do love that aesthetic of of the yeah. the hand drawn effects in there. Yeah, like the whole uh, getting into the light cycle sequence. Yeah, like when yeah. they crouch down and the grid is there, and then the bike assembles, and then they they peel out. That's all hand done. That kind and, of stuff uh, I, I wish would kind of make a comeback or, or that people would – people are nostalgic for a lot of stuff in the 80s, but I, I want to see that kind of effects in movies yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's some – I like this sort of – there's a bit of a resurgence these days of nostalgia for the good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's this uh, synthwave movement that's happening. Synthwave. You know. People are pushing for a lot more practical effects in, yeah. uh, in film. A little mm-hmm. bit less reliant on the digital, which I think yeah. is great. Yeah. Yeah. And then well, where's my uh, hand-drawn effects? <laughs> where's my hand-drawn effects? That's next. Because you yeah. can do great electricity and stuff like that, you know. And nothing can replicate that hand-drawn electricity. That that 80s lightning strike. <laughs> that's yeah, in like right? every Don Bluth animated film. <laughs> yeah, right? With the the glitters coming off the impact mm-hmm. point and all this stuff. It's uh, It's awesome. And then so the the bit starts to say no 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 over and over again and we see that Flynn is headed right for a bridge with a tank crossing it. Uh Flynn did they did and... they ever sell any sorry just uh, to touch on bit for they a didn't. bit. They didn't. They didn't. Are you going to sell did they sell any tanks? Tanks or or, or bit cuz I think bit is like the would be the one kind of like he seems like the most merchandisable character cuz he's just a thing. He, yeah, but, like he also is like the cute. He's the R two D two of this mm-hmm. world, and yeah, for sure. I think like I think he, probably he was the one that uh, producers were like, "Oh, kids are going to love Bit." Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, in its inception, he was supposed to have a face. Oh, okay. Like a big cartoony face, mm-hmm. and so he'd he'd be like a like a very Don Bluthy, you know cartoon character face that would be all like hmm and well i don't know and like you know like all right these... it really really would have been more of a, a disney animated production at that that point i suppose yeah and then they went full cg with it so i wonder i wonder if they made uh little toys of this too i know they sold a lot of geometric shapes around that time i found online some instructions for paper craft versions oh, okay stuff but like did, they, that. did they also sell the uh, the vehicles or they i think they sold some of the light cycles with yeah. like a you know pull the strip and then like you know get the oh, back fun. wheel going yeah. and then let it go kind of thing, uh, but I don't. I was at this author's house over in Scotland and he had one of the tanks mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, they <laughs> did they make <laughs> these? And I think he said something like it was a prototype. Oh, and he knew like a, a toy manufacturer who had access to it or it was a custom or something. So I don't so, think they So they did. did not sell these. <laughs> he no. just has yes. Yeah. He just has connections. <laughs> they weren't yeah, they weren't they weren't uh mass produced, I don't think, which is too bad because the tank design's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Then the uh Flynn screams as the pincers of the recognizer ends up punching through the bridge on either side of the tank, and that sends <laughs> that tank and that chunk of the bridge down to the valley floor. Which, Again, feel... very cartoony manner. Uh, yeah, this... definitely. And a bad day to be a tank driver out on routine patrol, I think, because that's it. That's it for yeah, that tank. That's 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 it. Game over. Yeah, game over. <laughs> In the uh, creator's commentary, they talk about how the 
the animators talk about how they think this is one of the most successful sequences in the film animation wise because it really comes together I could see, uh, yeah, this is definitely a showcase. This is this is this is a fun, not really a chase, but more so just like a, uh, it 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 shows everything that the movie really wants to promote in terms of its technical prowess. It has a little yeah. bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, because all those different parts, like in the next shot, uh, you see all like is the impact of it going through and leaving the cartoon cutouts mm-hmm. on the side dislodges all of the recognizer parts except yeah. for the 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 cockpit so now there's like 23 parts by themselves spinning on their own axes trailing behind and like somebody like some kid picked up you know 23 blocks and just threw them and this yeah, is like, like this jangle blocks at this point yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah right so they're all just flying through the air and they're all spinning and that all had to be animated the way we were talking about like just mm-hmm input separately and then you know i wonder if this was perhaps i don't know if this was do you think this was like one of the more complicated this i'm trying to think of like the ending if there's if there's a scene that's more complicated uh with the cg than this this feels like it was probably one of the most complicated shots yeah i can't i can't see it not being one of the most complicated shots just because of the number of blocks involved like they're spinning so maybe that's not that complicated to do because they're spinning at a fairly constant rate. So you just have to like It definitely especially with the process you said seems like a headache still. Like it's still just, yeah. it's a complete headache, yeah. Yeah, they were I remember they did up they had they did a bunch of uh production from like Christmas to the release in June. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's just under 6 months that they sort of had to do a lot of this in and was sending a bunch of it to Taiwan and then getting it back and then so it's one of those things where I'm sure like I am sure when they were halfway through they were like what the hell have we done you know yeah. like how is this <laughs> we can what oh no like so well we started so it's we started <laughs> yeah that's one of the rules of the movie by minutes podcast actually is they are like if you start one finish it yeah and I understand, uh, I understand that ethos now because I'm over, I'm over halfway through this, and it's yeah, a there's monstrous, no return at this point. No, and it's a monstrous amount of work, especially doing it solo like this. If I ever do this again, I'll be doing it with a team. I think because right, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a lot to take on, but it's so much fun. It's a, it's a really good time. So let's see here, uh, Flynn, and we're at past this point, the hour mark. We are, and we're we past are, the hour mark. Yeah. That's right. We're past the 60-minute mark, so that's uh, that's a big accomplishment, too. So Flynn splays his fingers out to either side of the cockpit, willing the recognizer to reassemble as they take out another bridge with one of the, <laughs> with one of the spinning <laughs> pincers. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a sound design showcase, too, with the different impact sounds and the, the recognizer crescendos and pitch warbles and, and uh, all this sort of... Yeah, the weird electronic kind of twangs that they put in there. Yeah, yeah, right? And uh, so Flynn manages to get the recognizer assembled before skidding around another corner into a wider thoroughfare. He writes its swaying, gargantuan form just before heading into what looks like some sort of cylinder forest. Like, I'm like, sure. what are you, where are you flying? This sounds like a... <laughs> this is awful. This is not recognizer territory. <laughs> and then he says, uh, baby doesn't handle so good in town. Well, he cranks the 
sort of beer tap looking thing over to one side mm-hmm. with another sweet sound from the controls and bit says no while the graphics on the hourglass control unit are starting to do some alarmingly strange things <laughs> you know before yeah. they were just lines <laughs> but now they're like forming shapes and uh kind of looking all scattered and... even though it's a uh, foreign world to the audience it, they're able to communicate that yeah things are the the, the machine is telling you that things aren't going well yeah <laughs> You know, experienced pilots are be like, well, what does that mean? You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then uh, Flynn drives off another cliff Mm -hmm. into what looks like some sort of arena with a big cylinder at the bottom. And he frantically starts stomping on different pedals asking, what's this do? How about this one? As the recognizer falls from a great height towards the floor of the arena, which sort of takes us up to the end of uh, minute 61. Yeah, That's the a, the what does this button do is is okay. Now we're at full um, comedy mode of like I let's just press buttons and pray and yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm literally out of ideas here. Let's just hit things. Yeah, full panic. Yeah. Then uh, let's see here. I like to go over the differences between the screenplay and the novel a little bit when we get up to the end. Right. And in the novel, it's very similar, except that it, this is probably a throwback to when they wanted to make him a bit more of a cartoon character. Uh, the bit says more than just yes and no. Oh, the bit has full, like, dialogue? Yeah, but they're all, like, positive and, aff- and negative. So it's like... Right, it's still ones like, and zeros, know, kind of. He's still like, uh, right, confirmed. I couldn't have put it better myself. Absolutely. Definitely, you know, and like negatory, nyah, nyet, and like even other languages and stuff like that. But, but so I'm glad. I don't know which one I prefer. I think I kind of like just the yes and no more. I think I prefer the yes and no as well because the blandness. Yeah, it's 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 almost funnier when he's like, if he really disagrees with something, he just goes no, 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 no. Like (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) right. And it's also the finality of it. It's Mm -hmm. like. You know, well, my flying's pretty good, eh? No. You know, like, it's very like, direct. Oh, yeah. Okay, then. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's a different movie when he can talk in different languages and it makes him into a whole different a whole different being, you know? You, got, you gotta... Whenever you make a, a, a cartoony character, you always have to worry about making him too uh, annoying, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. If, he, right. if he's a little bit too talkative or, or in one way or the other, you, you want him to have personality, but you don't want him... Uh, to have what I like to call Jar Jar Binks syndrome. Yeah, sure, right? Yeah. Yeah, you don't want it to get on the audience's nerves. There's is, is a, is a, a narrow path that you have to tread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, you really got to stay right in the center of that one. And then in the screenplay, it's a whole different sequence because when... Is, is that because uh, they just let Jeff Bridges do a lot of his own things and they kind of uh, did the cut around what he did? or It's in... <sighs> Well, the the beats are different. Like okay. in the in the in the screenplay, he's in, he finds his way inside the cave with a dying ram, and puts ram on the ground, and then the recognizer starts to wake up a little bit, and then but it doesn't wake up all the way, and he's like, oh, I need to wake this up all the way, and ram sacrifices himself. Ram takes Flynn's hands and says. You just need a little bit more energy. Here, take mine. And gives the last of his energy to Flynn and dies. And then that's what gives Flynn the ability to make the recognizer come to life. So then it's humming 
And he's like, okay, well, how do I get it to yeah, go? Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when Bit comes out. And Bit's all shy because Bit's recognizing him as Clue from the beginning of the movie. This is mm-hmm. the same Bit. And uh, and so he's like, come here, Bit. What's what's going on? And then Bit's like, oh, you're 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 my you're my user fantastic and uh and then they fire it up and then it takes off into the air so in the movie ram dying and the bit coming out all happens while he's already in flight but in the screenplay uh ram dying and bit coming out are what allows him to make the recognizer take off so it's very i think it's interesting that they changed that and i'm not entirely sure why they did Mm -hmm. because sort of dramatically it makes sense that these things would enable him to make it fly. Whereas in the movie, it looks like he can just make it fly all by himself and everything maybe, else happens kind of, maybe they were too much like of a tonal shift. Cause again, this scene is pretty light after, after a, a death scene. Yeah. Yeah. It could be, it could very well be. And I, I do like the idea of Ram uh, dying, like succumbing to his wounds rather than saying, I sacrificed myself for you. Or yeah, I don't know. It, it, it I don't might know. be a bit heavier if he's like, yeah, take take this last bit of me, and yeah, it, it's a little bit more. It has a bit more weight, which I don't think they necessarily want at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty dark. So that could know. be it. But what do I know? Yeah, right. <laughs> maybe we'll one day. Maybe I'll get a chance to talk to the director or something like that and say, hey, yeah. so. If he build can... build up some questions now, some yeah. very specific minute Get by minute list. questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, that takes us up to the end of minute sixty one. Do you want to uh, tell people where they can find you if they want to hear more of you? Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, the best place just to find me in general is on my Twitter at cartoon moo. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, I have all those projects that I mentioned. Geeks vs. Nerds is a podcast that you can download and listen to, uh, and as well as boozing and bonding. Go look for that where you find podcasts. And if you're in Vancouver, come to see There Is No Easy Mode Trivia, which is the first Thursday of each month at Manchester Public Eatery. Yay! Yay! And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com or drop us a line on Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page. Shout out to Pond5 for the music at the beginning and the end. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, consider doing one yourself. It's a very inclusive and encouraging community in my experience. Do you want to try a little uh, end of line on three? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah? What, all right. Are you ready? What, what, one, what are we doing? <laughs> we're going to say, we're going to, we're going to try to say end of line in unison on the count of three. End of line. Okay. Yeah. One two three end End of line awesome (laughs) perfect a little sloppy but we got it a little sloppy (laughs) but that's the way it is okay okay